0: Welcome to UNews, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, August 24th. I'm Andrea Linares. Here are today's headlines. The FDA authorizing a new COVID-19 treatment as universities continue to shut down in-person classes. The U.S. now registering at least 5.7 million cases of the coronavirus and climbing. A scaled down Republican National Convention kicking off in Charlotte this week as a major White House figure announces her departure. Two storms are barreling towards the Gulf Coast and could make impact within 48 hours of each other, one as a category three hurricane. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the coronavirus pandemic right here in the U.S. Cases appear to be declining, but deaths nationwide still hovering over 1,000 a day as experts warn that number could jump to a staggering 6,000 per day if we do nothing to stop the spread. Meanwhile, the president making an announcement regarding treatment. Lorraine Caceres has more.
1: A new week in the fight against the coronavirus, and cases appear to be declining in the U.S. At least 25 states reporting fewer cases in the past week compared to the previous week. At least 11 states are still reporting an increase in new cases, but 14 states are steady, neither increasing nor declining. But it's not all good news. A new model by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation predicting daily deaths in the United States from COVID-19 could jump to 2,000 a day by the start of December. We have a worse scenario in, in what we release, and that's many, many more deaths. And in fact, by the time December rolls around, if we don't do anything at all, the daily death toll in the U.S. would be much higher than the sort of 2,000 deaths a day we would expect by December. It could be as high as 6,000 deaths a day. So it really depends what we do, both as individuals and and what governments do. In a rare Sunday presser, the president announcing the FDA has issued an emergency use authorization of convalescent plasma of recovered COVID-19 patients to treat sick patients. This is a uh, powerful therapy that transfuses very, very strong antibodies from the blood of recovered patients to help treat patients battling a current infection. The president has been pushing for its approval, saying several studies have proven plasma is safe and effective. One showing it could reduce mortality rate by 35%. But experts say more research is still needed. The announcement putting into question whether the FDA was pressured for political purposes. On Saturday, the president accused what he called the deep state or whoever over at the FDA of trying to delay vaccines vaccines and therapeutics until after the election. A new CBS YouGov poll finds the majority of Republicans believe the US death toll from COVID-19 is acceptable, while 43% says it's unacceptable. Among Democrats, it's 10% versus 90. Meanwhile, in the world of sports, a major controversy. The NFL announcing irregularities were detected in a recent batch of tests from New Jersey lab by reference. Several false positives sending teams into chaos. 77 tests from 11 teams have now been affected. All tests now being retested. Many teams canceling practice. And the president's announcement has sent today the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 to new highs. The FDA is now asking to dramatically increase the amount of donations of convalescent plasma. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report.
0: The Republican National Convention is set to kick off tonight with a mix of live events and virtual content in North Carolina. It comes on the heels of the Democratic Convention just last week. And here's a preview of what we can expect. The Republican National Convention kicking off today in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a combination of in-person and online events due to the coronavirus pandemic.
1: You're going to see a great uplifting message from the president and from our allies. And Chuck, when I tell you some of these stories that you hear, there are going to be some breakout stars, mm-hmm. some people that you would not expect to be supporters of the president, and it's going to tell a very beautiful story.
0: The president planning to speak every night of the convention. Achieved, Trump has told his team he wants to be bigger and better than the Democratic National Convention last week. The overall theme, honoring the great American story.
1: We're going to have a great convention coming up, and I look forward to it.
0: Just six delegates from each state will attend. Attendees were provided with self-swap coronavirus tests before going to the convention and were tested again with a nasal swab test upon arrival. Masks are mandatory and social distancing protocols, including chairs being placed six feet apart from each other. Despite most of the speeches being given remotely, President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence are expected to appear in person in Charlotte sometime today. Well, he will be in North Carolina, unlike Joe Biden, who didn't go to Wisconsin, the state where he held his convention. Throughout the week, President Trump's family will be the focal point of the convention, with Donald Trump Jr. speaking tonight. Some of President Trump's biggest allies, Congressman Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, and Steve Scalise, will also speak tonight, as well as former Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley and Mark and Patricia McCloskey, the couple who was seen in this viral video waving a gun at protesters outside their home. They face a charge of unlawful use of a weapon stemming from this incident.
2: Unlike the Democrats last week, where there was a lot of complaints, they didn't offer much by way of policy or solutions. Uh, President. Trump will be laying out, you know, real policies, real visions, real solutions.
0: It's also notable who will not be appearing during the convention this week. Among them, former Republican President George W. Bush and Senator Mitt Romney. The Republican Party said it would stick with its 2016 platform, even though parts of it are now outdated, and the party also saying it will, quote, continue to enthusiastically support the president's America First agenda. The move is highly unusual, with parties generally using their conventions to showcase a new set of policies and pledges to win over voters. And joining me now is John Pence. He's a senior advisor to the Trump-Pence campaign and the vice president's nephew, Thanks so much for being here today. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So President Trump is expected to speak every night of the convention this week, which is an unusual role for an incumbent president. What can we expect this week?
2: Well, actually, the, the Trump campaign released what the president's vision for a second term is. It's about fighting for you, fighting for us, we the people. That includes jobs. It includes bringing back 10 million jobs, bringing back a million businesses in this country over the next 10 months. It also includes eradicating uh, COVID-19. We are on track, because of Operation Warp Speed, to find a vaccine by the end of this year, and President Trump is going to continue to fight for us in the future. And the Republican Party is extremely excited, uh, as we have officially Renominated nominated President Trump for four more years.
0: Now, speaking of jobs, the president's promises to add 10 million jobs in 10 months. How will the president convince Americans that he can unite the country and pull us out of the economic downturn that we're currently in?
2: Well, President Trump did it once, and he can do it again, Andrea. Uh, the, the, the pro-growth, pro-jobs pro-America policies that President Trump has fought for for his first three years, cutting taxes, uh, deregulating to unleash the American economy. These are an economic agenda in the president's toolbox that worked. We saw historic low unemployment for every demographic in this country, Hispanic, Black Americans uh, before this pandemic arrived. And President Trump, a builder, is ready to do it again.
0: Now, there is another important issue for the president, which is an important voting block for him. Seventy percent of Latinos disapprove of President Trump's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, according to a Latino decisions poll. So how is the campaign going to try to overcome those hard numbers and get the critical Latino vote on their side?
2: Well, we're going to we are we are fighting for and when we say fighting for you, the president's fighting for all Americans. Uh, And that includes Latino Hispanic Americans. We are in every community as a growing Republican Party uh, with leaders from every community. I work with several Latino uh, members of our Latinos for Trump um, board on this campaign. And we are seeing folks who know that President Trump is going to put America first for every American. And it's why we are so excited as a growing Republican Party to vote for four more years.
0: Now that we're talking about Latinos and jobs, we know that the Latino community has been very affected. Unemployment levels have been at nearly 13% in the month of July, whereas in February, we're talking about 5%. Hispanic women in the workforce have also been affected during this pandemic. So what is the president's plan? What is the campaign trying to do to tackle this uh, issue?
2: Well, the, the Fighting for You plan lays out the second term agenda. And the first two points, jobs and eradicating uh, COVID-19, would directly address uh, the rising um, uh, unemployment that we saw in the past months. But now, as we reopen America safely, this great American comeback that's underway, that's beating expectations, we've seen more jobs added in the last three months, uh, over 10 million jobs than what we saw uh, in in past administrations, but we need to protect the most vulnerable. And, And we do that by all doing our part, by opening safely and responsibly, but it's not a binary choice to fight the virus or reopen an economy to make sure that we all secure our prosperity and security. That's why President Trump is working on both. At the same time, with Operation Warp Speed, but also this this plan to to open the economy safely and and make sure that government doesn't get in the way, we have more growth, and and all Americans are better positioned to continue to fight for what makes America great.
0: John, let's go ahead and talk about immigration. Many Latinos feel discriminated against by the president and the Republican Party because of his. Um, strong immigration policies. Does the campaign have plans to overcome that? Well,
2: Andrea, as you know, uh, Latino Hispanic voters are not monolithic voters. Uh, Actually, a strong stance on immigration, securing the border, uh, doesn't just help keep Americans safe here in this country, with the horrors of human trafficking to stop the flow uh, of, of illegal drugs, but it also protects those on the other side of our borders uh, from not taking the risks. And we've seen great leadership uh, by our president, but also the president of Mexico responding with our president to secure the border to protect both uh, those in the north and those on the south of the southern border. And, and I think that as we speak with Latinos and work with Latino leaders, they see President Trump's leadership on immigration and see how keeping Americans safe uh, is, is a top priority for this president. And it's a top national uh, priority for our economic security and prosperity.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, John Pence, senior campaign advisor of the Trump-Pence campaign. You take care.
2: Thank you, you too.
0: Thank you. And in other Washington news, a major shakeup in D.C. over the weekend, White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway is saying goodbye to the Trump administration. Conway made this announcement Sunday night in a statement. She says she will be leaving her post at the end of this month, citing her family as a reason for her departure. Her husband, George Conway, a political operative for an anti-Trump Republican group called the Lincoln Project, will also be leaving his position. She emphasized their duty as parents in her statement, saying, quote, we disagree about plenty, but we are united on what matters most, the kids, end quote. Kellyanne is currently scheduled to speak at this week's Republican National Convention, but it's unclear if she will still do so. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, the Postmaster General Louis DeJoy faced another grilling during a House Oversight Committee hearing. DeJoy is answering questions about the controversial changes that took effect at the Postal Service this summer. This as the House of Representatives approved a $25 billion package to reverse the changes and protect the service. Edwin Pitti is in Washington, D.C. with the very latest on this. Edwin, what can you tell us?
3: Andrea, another congressional hearing for the Postmaster General this morning. Louis DeJoy testified before a House Oversight Committee in a, in a hearing that was called protecting the timely delivery of mail, medicines, and mail in ballot. But just like last week, in this hearing, Republicans trying to um, make DeJoy feel a little bit better about the job he's been doing in less than 80 days that he's been in front of the U.S. Postal Office. But Democrats are grilling him because of all the changes he's been making happen in the last couple of weeks because they are accusing him of trying to do so to push forward the agenda of President Trump, of trying to limit the amount of people that can vote through the mail. But I can tell you that the joy was saying that the U.S. Postal Service is fully capable of delivering the ballots on time, and also he said that he didn't direct any removal of equipment or cutting the hours of many employees throughout the country. Let's take a listen to what he said during the hearing. And that it has had an impact on our employee availability. We actually peaked, uh, started to peak in terms of employability issues. in. Uh, uh, in the July, July timeframe. Now, last week, Andrea DeJoy had said that he had not spoken to the president regarding his views and positions as far as voting on the mail. But today, he said that he talked to people in the re-election campaign about the president's views on mail in voting. Now, over the weekend on Saturday, the House voted on a bill to give the Postal Office, a $25 billion um, fund to try to deal with many of the issues that they are facing right now. But not only that, also to block the joy from making any further changes and also to make him reverse any changes already made. That bill was passed by a vote of 257 to 150. That means that 20 Republicans voted um, with, the, with the Democrats in this bill. But again, that happened in the House. It's very unlikely that the Senate will take up this bill because it's led by Republicans. And because of that reason, the leader minority in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, announcing a new investigation that will be led by a subcommittee formed by two Democrats and one Republican. Live in Washington, D.C., Andrea, back to you.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for that recap of everything that's taking place there in our nation's capital. And twin storms are marching north, and the Gulf Coast is watching very closely. Tropical Storm Laura is on the cusp of becoming a hurricane, as it nears the Gulf of Mexico. But Tropical Storm Marco is weakening as it approaches Louisiana, easing coastal communities' worst fears of a potential one-two punch by powerful hurricanes. But while Laura and Marco don't have fearsome winds, they promise to bring a perilous amount of water to low-lying towns and communities along the Gulf Coast. And now let's go to California, where a wildfire crisis is growing worse. Three massive blazes chewed through parched northern California landscape on Sunday as firefighters raced to dig breaks and make other preparations ahead of a frightening weather system, packing high winds and more of the lightning that sparked those huge fires in the first place. Nearly a quarter million people are under evacuation orders and warnings. At least seven people have now died in the state due to the 650 wildfires currently burning. And a new study shows Greenland's ice sheets is melting faster than ever before, causing rising sea levels that could threaten coastal cities all around the world. The research shows the country lost 532 billion tons of ice last year. In prior years, it shed about half that much on average. And the melting is likely to get worse due to increasing greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. More of you News after this short break. Welcome back to U News. And now some good news out of Mexico. The capital city's famous floating gardens of Xochimilco, complete with floating mariachis, reopened to the public this weekend after months of lockdown. The move provides quarantine-weary locals with the chance of having a beer as they float away and a sing-along with mariachis that pass on by. Tourists have dubbed Xochimilco the Venice of Mexico. And now go ahead and check this out. The Indianapolis 500 championship was run on sad- Sunday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And to watch the race, a man named Joe Malia built a treehouse in the backyard of a home right behind the backstretch of the track. He gave the homeowner hundreds of dollars to build his viewing platform. Malia, he says, every year at the track is memorable, but this one will definitely be one to remember. Very creative. And finally, today is National Waffle Day. Yummy. The date commemorates when Cornelius Marthel received a waffle iron patent in New York in 1869, but the food has actually been around since the 14th century. People eat different kinds of waffles around the world with a variety of different toppings, but to qualify as a waffle, food just has to have leavened batter or dough heated between two patterned plates my favorite type of waffle is to have a little bit of strawberries and bananas and blueberries on top very very delicious a little bit fattening though so everything in moderation thanks for listening to you news the podcast don't forget to follow you news on instagram twitter and facebook and if you haven't yet go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review, and join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.